Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going to be talking about doubt tonight. And um, part of me wonders, why do we talk about doubt why do we talk about something that could actually lead people away from Jesus? It's a big, big uh, question, a big um, topic. But we're talking about this because I know that this is an issue for many in our community. I don't take that for granted. I know that doubt is something that everyone at some stage in some way will experience. And we'll talk a bit about that. And I also know that there's a whole heap of different expressions or experiences of doubt. It doesn't always look the same. The most common um, or maybe the most well-known form of doubt is doubting uh, the information, the the truth. And and just to establish what what does doubt mean In, in the most simplest understanding, doubt is not believing or struggling to believe. Wrestling with truth. That's what doubt means. But there's different types of doubt, different experiences of doubt. There's doubt, uh, we might doubt the realness of God. Could have the next line, Liam. Doubt the realness of God. We we struggle to believe whether or not God is real. Is the the stuff that that the Bible says about God, is it true? And the question we're struggling with is, do I believe? Do I believe the information? Do I believe the facts? Do I doubt? One expression of doubt. Another one is, we might believe that God is real, but then we doubt the goodness of God based on our experience, based on our upbringing, based on our understanding of the world and our understanding of what the Bible says, based on some of the more difficult stories in the Bible we might doubt the goodness of God. And the question we we're struggling with is, do I approve of God? Now we might believe that God is real. We might believe that God is good, but then we doubt the closeness of God. We see in a, in a, in a community like this, there's all these people raising their hands and really getting into worship and feeling it and, and enjoying it. And we, we go, why don't I feel like that? Why don't I feel close to God? And the question is, do I feel God's presence? Is he, is he near? Does God love me? Doubt, doubt might express like that. Or we might doubt the commands of God. We believe God's real. We believe he's good. We believe he's close. But we're not just sure about what he has to say about how we should live and his commands about how we should spend our money or whether or not we should sleep with our boyfriend or girlfriend, or whether um, we should come to church consistently, or we don't, we don't, we, we doubt whether what God has to say is the best way to live. So the question we're struggling with is, do I obey? Now we might believe that God is real, we might believe God is good, we might believe God is close, we might be obedient to God's command, but we still doubt the community of God. And we we struggle with the question, do I belong? 
And there's a whole heap of reasons or hurt or experiences that could lead any of us into any of these doubts. And it really, there's, there's probably a message or many messages for each of those different types of doubt. But today I want to explore that story and, and sit at the feet of the teacher doubting Thomas, recorded by John, and his experience of doubt. And how that will shed light on how we could deal with doubt. Now, the first point I want to make uh, is, is doubt is inevitable. If you haven't experienced doubt, you haven't lived long enough as a Christian yet. Doubt is inevitable. There's one, um, one guy, a pastor in New York, who's from Adelaide originally, uh, someone who I um, uh, read and listen to a lot and has influenced a lot of this talk, is John Tyson. He said, There is no road to spiritual maturity that does not walk straight through doubt. There is no road to spiritual maturity that does not walk straight through doubts. What he's saying is that wrestling with doubt is a way, not to, to pull us away from God, but a way of, of growing, of maturing. And it's a path that every follower of Jesus will walk through. Now, we've read about Thomas's experience of doubt, and it's worth noting who Thomas is. He's one of the disciples. He's someone who Jesus has picked out specifically uh, to, to be a disciple, to be an apostle, to take his message uh, you know, out to the nations. He's someone who's been traveling along with Jesus and, and who's heard again and again Jesus claiming that he will die and rise again. And yet in this moment, he, he doubts. Another example is, um, <coughs> excuse me, is uh, uh, John the Baptist. So the guy who heralded Jesus' coming before Jesus came, John the Baptist, um, uh, proclaimed, you know, there's one who will come after me, who will be the Messiah, who will be the son of the living God. And, and even when he first saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so, so and even John, like he lived in the desert, he ate honey and um, locusts, so he's a weird guy, very, very committed very, very committed to Jesus and, and convicted in that truth. And yet, when he was imprisoned, he reached out to Jesus. He sent a messenger to Jesus and he asked, are you the one or should we wait for someone else? So even John doubted when he was under significant uh, challenge. So what does Thomas do as he, as he experiences doubt? Uh, what does he do? Now, the situation is that um, Thomas uh, wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples, which is recorded a little bit earlier. And then when, they, when, the, when he meets up with the disciples, the disciples say, we've seen the Lord. We've seen him alive and resurrected. And what does he do in that moment? Is he, he wrestles with that. He challenges that. He raises a question. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the, the, the nails were, put my hand to his side, the nail marks being where, how Jesus was pinned to the cross and the, the, the side where Jesus was stabbed. 
he will not believe unless he sees and experiences and sees the evidence. Now, Thomas isn't necessarily uh, wrestling with um, whether or not he's a disciple because it, it says that he, he's one of the 12. He's included in that number. But he's wrestling with this new reality of a resurrected Jesus, someone who rises from there. That doesn't happen in day-to-day life. His, this experience or this story is different from expectations. So he's struggling to understand this new reality and he's testing this good news that they're sharing with him. He's testing it. And that's when we hear the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus, like we are to test it. We are to challenge and wrestle with it. Philippians 1 says, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We are to wrestle with this. And the truth presented by the Bible is not something to be received blindly, but questioned and wrestled with and discerned and asked questions of. Because, it, because the truth can handle questions. The truth will stand up under scrutiny. But John challenged, uh, challenged this claim that Jesus rose from the dead. But what I found really fascinating is that the, that didn't lead to John being excluded from the disciples. Uh, yes, Thomas, thank you. Thomas. That didn't leave Thomas from being excluded from the disciples because he was one of the 12. He challenged the belief that Jesus rose from the dead. Then a week later, he was still with them. This crisis of faith, this doubt, didn't make him leave, nor did it make the group exclude him. He kept on wrestling with it, but he did it with the disciples in community. And then um, in this story, we see a week later, they're in the house again and Thomas was with them. And Jesus appears to them again in the same way, in the same experience, what had been done to the disciples earlier. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he turns to Thomas and he says, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. He gives... Thomas a gift. He gives Thomas the, the, the evidence, the answer that he's looking for, that he's wrestling with. And then he says this really fascinating thing in the NIV that we read before, it says, stop doubting and believe. I don't think that's a very helpful way to, to translate it, to understand it. ESV says, stop um, Stop unbelieving and believe. And probably the best way of understanding it is, is stop being an unbeliever, but be a believer. Stop not believing, but believe. Don't let your doubt turn you away from me, but trust me, believe in me. So it's not to say, and again, to critique the NIV, it's, it sounds like there's no room for doubting. Stop doubting. Stop doubting. Stop asking questions. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't let doubt lead you away from me, but trust me. Um, 
And then Thomas says, gives this amazing declaration of who Jesus is, my Lord and my God. And it's interesting, it's really important to understand that without Thomas's doubt, the greatest claim to who Jesus is wouldn't be in the Bible. This wrestling with this question and deal in, and, and um, doubting and, and but being faithful and sticking around and, and, and seeking after Jesus even through the doubt led Thomas to the greatest understanding of who Jesus is, my Lord and my God, the King of all things and the God who created the world and everything in it. Now, Jesus uh, says to him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And again, that might sound like he's, he's condemning Thomas for, you know, you, you, you needed some evidence in order to believe. And therefore, good on those who don't need that evidence. But it's, he's not talking about a flaw in Thomas's faith, but he's talking about a privilege. Thomas was privileged to see the, the physical resurrected Jesus, as were all the disciples. And, and there's some who will be privileged to, to see and experience the power of God in ways that others won't. And it's important to acknowledge that. But to everyone, Jesus gives a promise that those who believe, who have not seen, will be blessed, will be blessed. And so we, we, we might not be given the same physical bodily evidence uh, that Thomas was given and the disciples were given, but we're still called to believe. We're still called to trust in Jesus. Now, Thomas's expression of faith, his belief was not about the facts. He didn't say, you've risen, I believe it now. But he says, my Lord and my God. And his expression of faith is not about information and not a belief of facts, but trust in a person. Trust in a person. And so to take a moment to discuss, to think about what does belief mean? What does is, what is belief in the face of doubt look like? A great um, illustration to, to draw to our attention is um, a guy called Charles Blondin. Does anyone know who Charles Blondin is? Pop quiz. Oh, we got one. Good. Who? Yes. Yeah. He's the first guy, person, guy or girl, uh, to, to, uh, tr- to tightrope walk across the Niagara Falls. Now, I was thinking of getting a tightrope and stringing along here and to demonstrate this, but I've got no sense of balance, so that would have, wouldn't have been helpful. But early in 1859, Blondin decided that he wanted to do this, do this big feat, and um, to be the first to walk a tightrope stretched across the Niagara Falls. That's 335 metres across, 50 metres uh, above ground, above, above the, the falls, and he uh, began to promote this event and c- caused st- quite a buzz and a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of promotion and ad- advertising and like 
draw a crowd of thousands to come and see him walk across this tightrope. And um, when he, when he, after he set it all up and as he began to, to practice and, and like warm up, he jumped onto the rope and was a bit, bit um, uh, unbalanced and everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen? And, and he says, do you believe that I'll be able to get across to the other side? And some people were like, oh, yeah, we believe, we trust you. And others were like, oh, I'm not sure. Anyway, he hops on with his balance beam and, and walks across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. He walks all the way across and then all the way back. He does it. The crowd erupts in applause. And then he says, do you believe I can do it without the balance beam? And people are like, oh, that's risky. And so he drops the balance beam, gets on, and just with his arms, he balances and walks across the Niagara Fall and back. And, and again, received with uh, applause, he did it. Then um, as the story goes, he, he gets a... Um, uh, juggling pins. Do you reckon I can juggle as I go and walk across the tightrope? And people are like, oh, I'm not sure. Some people are like, yes, you can do it. You can do anything at this point. And so he does it. He walks across juggling. Like, this guy's amazing. And then it gets even more exciting. He gets a hot plate, right? And says, do you reckon I can walk this hot plate across and cook breakfast for myself in the middle of the tightrope above the Niagara Falls? And he does it, right? And he, and, and he walks across and cooks breakfast for himself. Then he gets a wheelbarrow. And he says, do you reckon I can uh, wheel these couple of bags of cement across the tightrope? And he pushes this wheelbarrow with, with the cement across uh, uh, the tightrope and back. And then he asks, does, does anyone believe that I can wheel, like someone can jump in the wheelbarrow and I can wheel a person across the Niagara Falls? And at this point, everyone can believe everything he can does. Everyone's like, yes, you can do it, you can do it. And he goes, all right, who wants to jump in? Silence. No one was willing to come forward. Until as the story goes, this one old little lady raises her hand and says, I'll do it. It's <laughs> harsh. Jumps in the wheelbarrow and is wheeled across the Niagara Falls, 335 meters across and 335 meters back. Now, apparently this woman was his mother. Ah. Trust and relationship, there's a thing there. Um, now, do you think she doubted when she was in the wheelbarrow as he was pushing her across with all the wind and the, the, the roar of the falls and the crowds jeering? And of course she doubted. Of course, the, whether or not she'd be able to make it across this line was was going through her head. But did she trust in her son? Yes. She trusted her son. How do we deal with doubt? How do we work through doubt with questions and challenges and issues and chaos? We put our trust in Jesus. Now, we might not know the answers. We might not be sure of the future. We don't know what other people are saying or really thinking. We don't have any guarantees that this faith stuff will work out well for us in this life. But we know that Jesus is good. 
We know that Jesus is God. We know that Jesus loves us, that He gave His life for us, that, in, that he, he forgives us. That we, through Jesus, we are a child of God. So just to, to, to finish up with some, some more practical, how do we trust through doubt? How do we wrestle with these questions? The first thing is to be honest about what, we, what we're wrestling with. Being real with each other and recognizing that a church community, a Christian community is a place that welcomes questions and welcomes challenges. Thomas challenged the other disciples and the other disciples received that challenge and they didn't kick him out and they didn't put him on probation. He was still with them, fellowshipping with them, eating with them, living with them a week later even though he denied the resurrection. We need to have space to ask questions, to to address the challenges that come with living our, our faith without judgment. Now, my hope and prayer for, for this community here is that it's a safe place for questions. Now, that's a comment to two groups, to people who doubt this place is a safe place for doubts, safe place for questions. Now, people who aren't doubting, this place is a safe place for doubts, a safe place for questions. And perhaps we need to change our posture in how we approach our own doubts or others who doubt and are struggling with things. Jude um, 22 says, have mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on those who doubt. The next thing, um, how do we trust Jesus through, through doubt is to fix our eyes on Jesus. There's a great story, another story um, from the Gospels is Peter walking on water. Now there's this, there's this storm and uh, waves are crashing over the boat and uh, Jesus has been away from the disciples and they see someone walking on the water towards them. They think it's a ghost, but it's not, it's Jesus. And then Jesus calls Peter out to walk on the water towards him. And Peter does. And as he's, as he's fixing his eyes on Jesus, he's able to walk on water. But when he gets distracted by the waves and the wind and the storm, he starts to sink. And I think if we, if we get distracted by all the challenges and doubts and, and if we focus on those things, we'll be consumed by those things. Now, I'm not saying deny your doubts, deny questions. No, of course not. But don't get consumed by them. And instead of focusing on what's pulling us away from Jesus, focusing on what's pulling us to Jesus, I think the best way to do that is read a gospel. Read, Read the story that John wrote about Jesus. Like, read about him. Again and again. And if, if anyone's here is, is struggling or doubting in any way, I've got um, uh, about 30 copies of John's gospel on the um, bench out there. Grab one. It's yours. Or if you know someone who's, who's wrestling with stuff, grab one. And it's, it's actually quite a short and easy read. 
but just focusing on, on Jesus and who he is. The next thing is we need community. How do we trust in the face of doubt? We need community. John Tyson said, faith is a family affair. It's not something to do on our own. Hebrews 11 says, do not, actually Hebrews 10 says, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Uh, but continue meeting, encouraging one another uh, to love and good deeds all the more as the day approaches. We need to keep moving and keep meeting and keep uh, encouraging one one another and wrestling with this stuff with other people. Because if we try and sort it all out for ourselves, we're just asking for a future of, of doubt and isolation. We need Christian community. And the next thing, how do, we, uh, how do we trust in the face of doubt? We need to learn to live in the mystery, like live in the tension. It's interesting, the book of Psalms, which is the largest collection of, of books in the Old Testament, in the Bible, about one third is uh, expressions of doubt and despair and anger against God. So of course, there's, there's the reality of that and that should be expected in the life of a Christian. There's also about a third of what's called trust psalms, of, of psalms that, exp- that are expressions of trust. And so that tells us the normal Christian experience should be a tension of, of doubt and trust, of, of wrestling with our experience and expectations and trusting in Jesus. Because everyone experiences doubt. Everyone experienced doubt, not just Christians, right? Christopher Hitchens, um, an atheist, uh, someone who went around um, debating and uh, was a very um, like frontline anti-Christian um, atheist. Uh, there was a documentary done on, on the debates he had in New York and, and at like the highest level of academia. And at the end of it, the interviewer asked him, what causes you to doubt your atheism? And he said, the fine-tuning argument, the fact that um, if the earth was like a meter further away from the sun or a meter closer to the sun, the temperature of the atmosphere would be different and then and nothing would exist as we know it. And there's so many examples of that, like the... Um, uh, salinity of the ocean, the temperature of the ocean, and uh, so many different things that are so fine-tuned and, and keenly designed to enable human life that it sheds doubt on wh- that there is no God, that there is no designer behind that. But we see, and even just for the last few years, we can, we can see that everyone doubts the worldview, the, the system that they're living in. Secularism, which is the idea of, of separation of religion from state and just um, uh, living out independent of all those things, is not working. It's not working. The, um, the sexual revolution of, of freedom of expression and freedom of identity and, and the self knows best, like research is showing that no one's happier based on all these things. There's so much doubt in the world. There's so much chaos, so much going on. 
And the question is, which wheelbarrow are you going to jump into? Who are you going to put your trust in to guide us, to carry us through this life, this chaotic life? Who will we trust to save us from ourselves? John um, wrote in in the next couple of verses after this story, he says, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. God's desire for the world is that we would believe, we would trust. And by trusting in Jesus, we would have life. Belonging to Jesus doesn't depend on the strength of your belief, but the extent of God's grace. Belonging to Jesus does not depend on the strength of your belief, but the extent of God's grace. So don't be defined by your doubts. Don't let your doubts define the state of your belonging to Jesus because that's not the factor that matters. Be defined by your faith or even better, be defined by his faithfulness. Doubting Thomas is who this guy's uh, known as, is not a fair name. Because Thomas wasn't a doubter, but he doubted. He doubted. He had a moment or he had a time where he doubted and struggled with things, but that didn't define him. That wasn't his destiny. As, as church tradition would, would tell us that um, Thomas went on to be the only apostle to take the gospel outside of the Roman Empire and to, into India. And, and he apparently planted seven or eight churches that still exist today. And, and, a, and a kind of weird phenomenon that's not really explained in any other way is Thomas is actually a really popular name in India because of St. Thomas, of doubting Thomas or faithful Thomas. He wasn't a doubter. He doubted. But he was a missionary. He was a disciple, a follower of Jesus, a child of God. Doubt wasn't his destiny. Jesus was his destiny. Doubt doesn't have to be your destiny. Jesus is your destiny. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for stories like Thomas and that you included this story in this gospel so that we could know that that doubt is a normal experience for Christians, that we can know that we can still exist in community while struggling with questions and doubts and, and, and challenges in whatever form that might take. And we thank you for Thomas's confession, my Lord and my God, and the belief he had in Jesus as a person, not as facts, but a person. And Lord, we pray that no matter what we're facing, what we're struggling with internally or externally, that we would trust in you, that you would continue to reveal your character to us as a, as, as, as a God who loves us, as a God who cares for us, a God who came down to die for us. And Lord, there's so many other options out there. There's so many things that are pulling us away from You. 
so many things that this world has to offer, that offers as the way to live or the, the, the solution to all life's problems. But Lord, they will not last. They will not work. And we know the world is doubting them. Lord, we pray that we would put our trust in Jesus. And our friends, our family, our loved ones, our co-workers, our colleagues would see the faith we have in you, the trust we have in you. And that would lead them to trust in Jesus. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.